welcome to another episode of the Miles Offside Podcast, where we talk a little bit of football and a whole lot of nonsense. My name is Oscar Puente, also known as Footy From Afar, and with me, as always, are my co-hosts, reigning FBL champion Chuck Bailey and super producer Ian Stimson. All right, good pod, boys. It was nice seeing you. I'll see you next week. <laughs> we don't, we, yeah. Is this all? Quite glad you're here. Quite, you know, I'm surprised the gusto with which you introduced. I'm proud of you. Um, I want you to know this is a safe space. Um, Thank you. We're here for you. I um, will be taking that safe space to go on uh, Chuck's World of Rage, the Oscar edition, when it comes time. <laughs> sure, and and you are excused for the uh, five minutes that we talk about the Elland Road game. If you just want to pop off, make yourself a yeah. little sandwich. Yeah. No, um, surprisingly, I have some things to say. <laughs> oh, there are things to say. There are things to say, things to be said, but we'll get to all that stuff. How are you guys doing in, in non-soccering terms? How's your life? Chuck, I see you got a haircut, looking very fresh. It was one of, it was one of those things where uh, I went to work today and I shaved basically all my hair off and six or seven people went, oh, you've had a haircut. And that was as far as it went. And it just made me feel, oh, okay, so my hair looks shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. No compliments. Yeah, no, right. Nothing else, just you've had a haircut. <laughs> I mean, there's plenty of football to talk about. Jesus, you made me take a turn already. No, Thanks, it's a, it's Oscar. Nice haircut. Drag, me nice drag me fucking down with you. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers Ian, mate. fish talk. How's Milo? Fine. All dead. good. Uh, <laughs> dead. <laughs> All dead. Uh, yeah, well, Chuck's, Chuck's I'm going to meet Milo tomorrow. I was going to say, Chuck's coming to my house tomorrow, Woo! and I'm, I'm mildly scared that he's going to bring his fish-hating cat with him. Yeah, don't bring the cat. Yeah, definitely the, the lock up the fish. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. don't worry. She's she's firmly moved on to mice and birds now. So you know, once Upgraded. once she start once we start finding squirrels buried in the garden, we know that we're <laughs> we're onto a cereal. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's lots of football to talk about. Should we talk about the football? Oh boy. Sure. Let's uh, let's keep the banter nice and short this week. You guys are hanging out though. I figure you might want to mention that, right? Yeah. No, it's private. <laughs> it's private. We're keeping it amongst ourselves. All right. We don't want our wives to know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I wish I was getting some of that chicken. I'm very jealous. Very, very jealous. <laughs> you need to join the Patreon, the Slack, too. To One for the that. Slack, many pictures of Ian's chicken. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Next week, Ian's Chicken Chat Corner. Uh, well, if you are joining us for the first time, thank you. We're very happy to have you. We are one American and two Brits, and we try to talk about the Premier League, but often get distracted. Uh, if you're back, great. We love you. We appreciate you. Patreon.com slash MilesOffsidePod. Join us on the Slack. Get some uh, other goodies as well. Potentially buy yourself a whole lot of socks for a whole lot of money. Um, <laughs> find us on FPL. The Click the link, the things in the description. Right, Chuck? I'm doing a good job. Look at me. Sure, buddy. Look at me go. You're, keep it, you're um, keeping this all together. You haven't, great. You haven't let great. out a single tear yet. Yeah, I'm the clue. I'm the glue that holds us and, and my broken sure. psyche together. Please stop um, sniffing it. <clears throat> but we will start things off as we always do around here with our very famous segment. <clears throat> rapid, rapid, rapid fire news. Our top story this evening, gentlemen. Elon Musk is going to buy Manchester United. That's right. We are only here with the big stories. A tweet from August 16, 2022 reads, To be clear, I support the left half of the Republican Party and the right half of the Democratic Party. Also, I'm buying Manchester United. You're welcome. Uh, he then went on to say, no, this is a long running joke. I'm not buying any sports teams. Although if I were any team, it would be Man U. They were my favorite team as a kid. Congratulations, Man United fans. You are now all Elon simps along with everything else that you are. 
15% boost to their stock. Unbelievable. Uh, just after that tweet. The man's got undue power. That is outrageous. That is yeah. outrageous. 15%? 15%. They went from like $12 to about 14 or something like that. In one well, go. there's your Casemiro money right there. <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah, much. Job done, pretty yeah. much. One, one tweet buys a Casemiro. Oh, we we're having a protest. Oh, let's throw beers at fucking coaches and call Liverpool players murderers. You utter, 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 utter fucking scum. Not Liverpool fans, the Man United fans that are doing that. I say Man United fans, inverted commas, pricks. Can't believe we're talking about them. Did they stay, did they storm the stadium again? Any damage, physical property damage that we know? These are ongoing. We were recording on Monday, 40 minutes before kickoff yeah. in the Liverpool United game. So do we know of any drama with the anybody punching police horses or <laughs> No, not yet. And they they've got the presentation team on the TV on the pitch, so they can't be too worried about incursions, I don't think. Not like the pandemic one. Remember when they broke into the stadium? That was crazy. Klopp was like, if they do that again, they should just give us the points. Don't yeah, schedule yeah, for, yeah. for once I'm on his side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck it. Genuinely they should punish that. Yes. Yeah, learn it. Hundred percent. Deal with it. Pow. But no, currently, currently that game is still going ahead. We have our next story. UEFA has agreed a deal for the US media rights for its club tournaments with Paramount Global, owner of the CBS network, who saw off Amazon to agree to one of the most lucrative broadcast deals in world sport. Paramount have agreed a six-year deal for the rights for a total package of $1.5 US billion, which is $250 million per season. Money. Just for the US TV rights. That's a dramatic increase on the $100 million per season currently being paid or previously being paid by Paramount and Univision. Um, there will, however, be a separate sale for the Spanish-speaking rights, which is also going to be a crazy amount of money because Spanish-speaking yeah. people in America are the ones that watch the Champions League more than they watch the Premier League because they're often fans of Real Madrid and Barcelona. So um, Makes sense. So uh, just for my benefit, is that is that good news for the end consumer in the US? Uh, CBS keeping those, or is it keeping uh, those rights? CBS, is, CBS has done a good job. Yeah, okay. Um, they've done a really good job. They're, one of their editors, if not their editor-in-chief, I think, is Goodman. So, you know, um, take that for whatever you will. Um, but the broadcasting has been phenomenal. Okay. The, uh, they do a really good team. They have a good team. Michael Richards is there. Schmeichel, the older one, is there. Um, Carragher, I think, is around sometimes. I don't know. But they have a good set. They do decent analysis. They broadcast all of the games. They put up the replays a few hours later. So even if, like, Emily has a long work day and so we can't watch it live, like, we just watch it at 8 o'clock that night instead of 3 o'clock. Okay. So the replays are up five hours later. Good times. I think they've done a good job. Uh, the Golasso show. El Golasso is... um a good show if you want to watch all of the games happening kind of at once. They do a good job with that as well. Uh, so I have no complaints. I hope they don't jack up the price because that is a huge upgrade and I'm already paying for specifically just Champions League for this Yeah. Uh, streaming service. I don't watch anything else on it. Uh, and I believe this is Barcelona's 17th lever of the summer <laughs> is convincing Paramount to double and a half their uh, investment in the Champions League. Yeah, and give it to them up front, of course. <laughs> immediately, so we can spend it on registering players Still immediately. can't register Jules Koundé. Uh, Marcos Alonso is technically still a Chelsea player also. <laughs> yeah, because they wanted a swap deal with Marcus Alonso and Aubameyang, and they're like, no, we need the cash. <laughs> <laughs> they're still going to sign Marcus Alonso, but they're like, we need the cash first. Oh, it's fucking basket cases. There's eight days left in this window for them to sign a whole lot of players who might be either out of contract or maybe going somewhere for free or something. I don't really know how any of this works. It's going to be an interesting week, an interesting week mm. to be sure. Um, 
How are you feeling about the U.S. Champions League rights? Does it make you jealous? Are you? Are, is there a pretty good broadcast situation over there? Like, what, what's the deal with the with the rights over there? Well, BT get it, and every game's on TV for Champions League, so it don't, that doesn't make any difference, really. There's none of them are on Saturdays, so none of them are blocked, and so every game is on every channel all the time. And they for the group stages, they do goal shows as well, um, which are really good with um, decent journalists, James Horncastle, Rafa Honigstein. Yeah. Um, Julian Laurence, BT Sport do a really good job on that, yeah. and they will they'll be commentating on it and talking about it whilst also cutting between the shows, the games as they go, as opposed to normally on those shows in this country where you're just watching people talking about games yeah. for two hours because they can't. Do show they have James Richardson on there to do all sorts of terrible puns as well, or is it just yes. the rest of the people from his podcast? <laughs> He's there with his beard. There you go. Um, Amazon does keep a strong relationship with UEFA for the record. They already have the deals in the UK, Germany, and Italy, and that will mm. continue. So Woo! Billionaires. Elon keeping it. Um, That's Bezos. Going with the soccer, but not the Man United because they're not in the Champions League. I don't know if he knows that or not. But You got anyway. the wrong billionaire. That was Bezos, but never mind. They're all the fucking oh, same, yeah. aren't they? <laughs> they're, same. they're all the same. They're all the same. Recession. <laughs> God. Next story. Next story. <laughs> Woo! Uh, Liverpool fans will have a legally binding role to play in the club's decision-making process for the first time after a contract was signed to officially launch the new supporters board. It is the result of 16 months of consultation between club officials and fan groups in the wake of the Super League debacle. The commitment to engage with supporters will be enshrined in the club's articles of association, which future-proofs the relationship even if owners Fenway Sports Group sell up. Um, the supporters board will have the power to veto any further attempts to sign up to a breakaway league, and there will be an open dialogue with the club on a wide range of issues such as ticketing and the match day experience. There are 16 representatives. They are um, in place for two-year terms at a time. Uh, this is pretty revolutionary, I think, having it officially in writing and future-proofed that fans have a say in the decision-making process. They also was recently we found out that the Premier League has spent as much money as every other league combined. Um, that's so. just Nottingham Forest, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so who needs the Super League? We are the Super League. We have the Premier League. Long Super live League, so. the Super League! Yeah, the Super League is dead. Long live the Super League, exactly. <laughs> I don't trust anything future-proofed, because anything can be changed. Nice. Literally anything can be changed. <laughs> like, you know, they're, they're making their own rules, so it's... You know, I don't think anything's future-proofed, and I'll, you know, I'll believe it matters when... You see it, you know, uh, an open dialogue about ticketing or prices or whatever could be, these are the prices we're going to set. And the, the fans go, well, they're a bit much. And the, they'll go, yeah, that's an open dialogue. Doesn't mean anything to a fucking change, <laughs> you know. I had an open dialogue with my mom on many things yeah. in high school. <laughs> Very two-way conversation, but it fucking ended the same, you know. Mom, can I? No. Right, well, thank you for having this open dialogue with me. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so I don't mean to be negative because, I mean, you know, good good things, I guess. But we'll see. We, we will see. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think a, a bit of cynicism is warranted given the really, parties yeah. involved. But uh, one hopes that, you know, this does provide more of a voice, an actual voice, a useful voice to the fans. And that other clubs follow uh, suit because that would be nice. Let's move on then from there to the... Unfortunately, we tend to wrap up rapid fire news with some stories of this nature in this day and age. We will continue to do so and shine whatever small light we have on issues around the game, around being good people or in the community, hopefully improving or issues um, therein. Uh, so the following statement was released by Chelsea this week. 
Uh, Chelsea Football Club finds any form of rate of discriminatory behavior totally abhorrent. It has no place at Chelsea or in any of our communities. Chelsea FC have consistently made it zero tolerance position on discriminatory behavior very clear, yet there are still idiots like this that attach themselves to this so to this club as so-called fans, which shames Chelsea FC, our coaches, players, staff, and our true supporters. We are investigating this incident, and if identified, the individual will face the strongest action from the club. This came after Hingman's son being racially abused at the bridge in the crazy, crazy game that happened last week. Um, this statement was released earlier in the week. Since then, they have found that player, and they are banned for life from Stamford Bridge. Uh, I don't know if any police action has been taken, um, or if that's even possible, given the evidence at play in that sort of situation. I don't know, but at the very least... Fuck that person, fuck you, fuck you, and fuck you a little more. Um, and not welcome at the bridge. And I love that the club specifically came out and said these idiots, so-called fans, are not welcome. They shame Chelsea every time. This continues to be an issue, not just at Chelsea, but in the game abroad. And um, keep banning the fuckers. That's all I can say, really. Yep, it's the only thing they'll understand. You can't fucking come here anymore. Unlucky. Yeah, and you know what? You don't deserve it. Yeah. Although maybe this last week they deserve to have been there and watched that, but <laughs> in general <laughs> you don't deserve football yeah. club. <laughs> yeah, uh, and from one terrible thing to another, um, Sir Alex has uh, given testimony in the Ryan Giggs trial. If people don't know what's going on with the Ryan Giggs trial, he is currently on trial for um, domestic abuse and physical abuse um, and just general awfulness with regards to women um there was a poem people were laughing about it that is not the story here if you're making jokes about a poem that is literally what they want you to be doing is not paying attention to the issue and getting distracted by other shit so we're not talking about the poem if that's what you think we're bringing up what we are bringing up sir alex ferguson um came and he was called as a character witness and he said that he had never seen the Welshman gigs lose his temper. He was without a doubt one of the best examples we had in the club. Everyone looked at Ryan as the number one in the dressing room. I used Ryan a lot. When I lost my temper, I would use him as an example, and sometimes he got the sharp end of my tongue. I knew he could take it. I knew he was strong enough. I knew that everyone else in the dressing room would be thinking, if Ryan Giggs can take this, we can all take it. Fantastic temperament. Absolutely wonderful temperament. Uh, the only reason I bring this up is because I'm really fucking tired of bigots getting defended by their friends who are like, well, he's always been nice to me. And that's not fucking relevant in situations like this. I've never punched anyone at my workplace. I've been in fights. Those two things don't fucking equate. And if you're like, well, I've never seen him be a mean person or a bad person or say a racist thing or say a sexist thing or say a homophobic thing or whatever else, that is how abusers get away with shit. But this is it, right? Because we're not even talking about a friend, right? So... Exactly what you just said. Uh, coercive gaslighters are one way in public and another way behind closed doors, right? But we're not even talking about a friend, and I don't even particularly, if I'm honest, blame Sir Alex Ferguson for this because it's a defence tactic to do this sort of thing. But of course, you've only seen one side to him. You were his boss from the age of about fucking fifteen. Like he's not going to be. Uh, you know, controlling, abusive, but to you, you were in authority with him. Like, it's such a, like you say, a completely irrelevant witness, a genuinely irrelevant witness. Yeah, and an irrelevant context, even in the situation of a friend or yeah. a neighbor or anything anyway. Like, how many times do you hear of a silly curl and they're like, oh, he was such a nice guy, that really surprised, like, of course. That's what they do. Awful people are really charming. Often that's how they can get away with shit for years and years and years. 
I mean, we on this podcast, unfortunately, if you go back to old enough episodes, used to love Benjamin Mendy. He was hilarious on social media and in the club and stuff. Like, we came out and we're like, we are officially fans of this guy. And like, now, obviously, we know what we know and we are very much not. But like, these people are charming. Often. These people do things that don't seem like they might be that kind he of person. Was never, I'm, I'm of sorry, I'm, I'm just going to cut off. He was never fucking charming. He shagged his brother's wife. He was an absolute fucking scumbag. <laughs> there is no character wi- yeah. witness. He's absolute shit, and he deserves everything he's getting. Fuck him. Uh, well, and if we're gonna, enough. and if you're gonna, exactly like you said, don't focus on the comedy aspect of all these shitty poems or whatever. He's a fucking dick. And I'm going to segue that by saying, if you are going to find a poem this week, look up Neil Warnock's 1,000-word poem he's written about his retirement. All right? There's some genuine comedy good comedy in there, including one (laughs) pair of lines, Marmite, just one of the names I'm called. Colin, too. I can't think why. I've also had a few battles with referees. And yes, they do make me sigh. Colin Warnock, the gift that keeps on giving, ladies and gentlemen. Well, on that note, shall we get to the soccer? Absolutely. I mean, yes. Um, I'm going to preface this, and I, I hope uh, you don't think I'm speaking out of turn here, but um, I would say that was a humdinger of a week. <laughs> what a weekend of fixtures. <laughs> <laughs> what a weekend for the mop teams, well, specifically. Two thirds. Um, check in on Posh Island real quick, just because it is relevant to the mood <laughs> of the podcast here, Ian. What's going on with Posh yeah, right so now? So we beat Lincoln 4-0. Never um, heard of them. Exactly. Uh, well, the only time you might have heard with, heard of them is when we, they were the team we played and uh, narrowly, I can't remember whether it was a draw or win now, to go up and uh, while I was on a treadmill watching it on. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, of course, the, I, very, the last second penalty. Exactly, yeah, when Sammy Schmonix did a terrible dive <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, earned us a penalty. <laughs> That we absolutely did not deserve. But what was brilliant is some posh fan also tweeted uh, today, um, oh, here's a link to a, a Lincoln City thread that was like, you know, the, the match thread. And it was like live, almost updates from their fans. And uh, it was fucking delightful reading. It really was because they hate us more than we even know they exist. <laughs> it's really <laughs> fucking good. It's, I had no idea they hated us so much. It's so good. Eat that, you imps. 4-0. So where are you at in the table right now? Are you coming up right away? Straight well, I'm feeling up? pretty good at the minute, yeah. yeah. Very nice. Well, we'll see you in the Premier League in two sure. years then, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, we'll yo-yo for another five years. I think it's yeah. more likely Chelsea's here in the championship, to be honest, than Peter getting in the park. <laughs> All right, well, you know what? There's. I was going to be nice and let you talk about no, Palace, but because you're you said... You're an innocent bystander in that, but it, I wasn't saying that Chelsea are going to get relegated. I was just saying that that's as much of a possibility. Although, that's more probable. probable. You know, oh. FFP might catch up with you at this rate, but yeah. <laughs> um, fair enough. Well, let's... let's. Where do you uh, want to start, mate? Where do you want to start? Yeah, I don't know. I- Ian was happy with a 4-0, so do we go to Chuck's happiness or do we go to my misery and then go back to Chuck's happiness to sort of like balance it out? Do we want a turd sandwich? I think we want a turd sandwich. We want a turd sandwich. All right, well, then let's go straight to Sunday, August 21st at 14 p.m. slash 9 a.m. slash... 6 a.m. if you're on the West Coast. I hope you slept in and didn't wake up for this one if you're a Chelsea fan on the West Coast. I know you Uh, did. It was Leeds 3, Chelsea 0. Leeds 1.9 to Chelsea's 0.7. Obviously, I'm going to have the most to say here, so I'll just do it. Uh, Chuck's world of... Usually, I throw to you guys, and I'm like, oh, I'll be... uh." No, 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 take charge. Um, You go for it. (laughs) Buckle up. Chuck's world of rage Oscar edition. Let's start with the positives from this match from the Chelsea perspective so that we can, you know, whenever you're giving bad news, you start off with a little bit of good news uh-huh. first. Uh, the positives were 
fucking nothing. Absolute dog shit. <laughs> yes, good. This is good. This is great. Um, I'm, honestly, I'm not even sad. I'm more angry than I am sad. Okay. Like, fucking, what was it? Three years ago when we bought Kai Havertz, I was like, oh, that's really, he's really talented. This is really good. But maybe we should have spent that money on our central midfield because Jorginho Kovacic and Conte won't last for forever. And that's when Frank Lampard was like the manager. Mm-hmm. Still haven't bought any central midfielders in that time. Uh, if anything, we seem to have lost a few who are in other places. Like, for example, Billy Gilmore, RIP, doesn't even have a squad number. Still technically a Chelsea. Or right wing back, for instance. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, look, we got fucking, we got destroyed. We got destroyed and we deserve to. And Thomas Tuchel is either a fucking moron or so passive aggressive that he's a fucking moron. And either way, he's a fucking moron. I'm so fucking angry at him. Because like, we have, Cucurella could play at center back. We have Trevor Chaloba. We have Aspie. Well, you might not have All Trevor Chaloba. So that we could put Reese James there so you could have fucking Ruben at right wing back? Question mark? Mm-hmm. That's not a, that's not a thing. Connor Gallagher and Jorginho, not a midfield. If you had looked at literally any of Connor Gallagher's numbers, we've been saying it on this fucking podcast, and we're not that smart. He is not a central mid. He does not know how to pass the ball. You think generally when you're trying to play games and win and score goals and do things that the ability to progress the ball from your defense to your attack is probably kind of an important thing to be able to do um, if you want, for example, Kai Havertz to have more than one or two touches in the match. Got to get the ball up there. That is not something that uh, the central midfield was at all set up to be able to do. Jorginho needs a mobile runner who can do tackles and move around him. And Conor Gallagher is a lot of things, but he is not that. Um, Jorginho had no one to pass to. He had the least passes of any game in his Chelsea career. 27. Jorginho, 27. And that is because Conor Gallagher, nowhere to be found to receive that ball. Reese, uh... I keep saying Reese James. Ruben on the right wing back. Surprise, surprise. Not in the right place. If you're not going to get ball progression from your central midfield, that's what Reese James is around for. We do it through our right wing back sometimes. That didn't fucking happen because he chose to play him in center back. We have Chilwell. Chilwell's healthy. Could have started him so you could put Cucurella at center back so you could put Reese James where he belongs on right wing back. Nope. None of that. All of these options were options that we had that he chose to go with a very weird lineup. And then beyond that, when I saw that lineup an hour before kickoff, I was like, man, I really fucking hope that this is a 4-3-3 or a 3-5-2 or a 4-4-2 or whatever, some sort of situation and not just our regular fucking setup with Jorginho and Connor Gallagher in midfield because that's not going to fucking work out. Hey, look, a midfield that doesn't know how to keep the ball, that can't keep the ball is getting pressed and counterpressed and chance after chance after chance is coming through the fact that they're just losing the ball as mm-hmm. soon as they touch it. And surprise, they also can't get the ball forward. It was, it was fucking terrible. It was terrible. Everyone was bad. Mendy, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what the fuck was that? But like, dare I and say, Tuchel came out after David it and was like, oh, we had a good plan. We should have won if we had put our chances away. We were in complete control of the game. And I'm like, what Negative. the fuck game were you watching? Because we were never in control of any seconds of that. So it was set up from the beginning. I, I was going off in the slack and on the mop chat separately from the slack also about how fucking angry i was before the game even fucking kicked off and 10 minutes in immediately i was like well this is a fucking train wreck i probably shouldn't watch the rest of this and then look how it fucking went (sighs) yeah any catharsis there at all yeah actually i do feel a little bit better (laughs) it's good it does feel good i mean i can't believe like jesse marsh when he saw that team line up 
must have thought all of his Christmases came at once because he was he was always going to play the same way because that's you know they're starting in their 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 foundation and moving a little bit differently to how Bielsa worked where it was very much man for man as opposed to now working as a team and you see a midfield which you know I watched Conor Gallagher all last season and have watched the media and people who don't watch Palace with all of their discourse about how he's going to play and XYZ and how he's going to be great like he does not work like that he does not exist and and thank god now in his first start for Chelsea which I do feel bad for him because he is a Chelsea fan and he really really wants to make it work and fair play to him but I also think he needs a bit of a reality check that if he's going to play for a manager who is dogmatic in the way he wants to play even to the fault of setup exactly like you said Oscar I can't believe he moved Reese James to right centre back to play uh, an injury prone that it, it isn't seemingly equal equaling his best as a right wing back in Rubin to then play a double pivot of Gallagher and Jorginho where possession goes to die and then having Cucurella as a left wing back playing off of no one you know it's Koulibaly making stupid fucking mistakes to get sent off. Oh, That's outrageous. Yeah. Now, you mentioned Chalabar before. He's getting loaned out. They're trying to loan him out. You know, you've got all these issues at centre-back. Aspi is clearly a bit past it. Over the last, you've, you know, you loaned out Levi Colwell was part of the Kukurea deal. He could have potentially done a job. You sold Fikayo Tomori, who's just going to pick up a new deal with AC Milan. You got rid of Mark Gaye, who's been doing absolutely fantastic at Palace. And it's just... How many wing, How many right-backs have we fucking sold in the last couple of years, too? Emerson is now going to um, West Ham on loan, I believe. Or maybe it's even a permanent. I can't remember. And you've got this manager who, with the anyone, can look at that team and see it wasn't going to work. You called it. I knew. I don't have an expert knowledge of football tactics, but adjust. Surely, play a different. Play a four-three-three with those players. And, and I know. If, and we did adjust at halftime and looked a little bit better. But like the game was fucking yeah, gone. Yeah, it was by gone. Then. And and Leeds did an uh, excellent job, you know. And I think Marsh celebrating that first goal so vociferously was testament to the fact that that's obviously part of the game plan is push them and press them back and have Edward Mendy fucking channel his inner David De Gea to make an absolute schoolboy error. And you could tell that he didn't know where the players were going to be because no one was where they like should have been like no, he didn't. He didn't have a short outlet. Yeah, he he had so much time. It's not like someone put him in a bad situation with a bad back pass. He had so much time, mm-hmm. but he hesitated because like you, there was just a disjointedness to that that it comes naturally from having so many players playing in positions where they don't fucking belong. I don't care how good your tactical system is, if you're picking players that don't have the right skill set to play in the positions you're putting them in in that tactical system, it's not gonna work. And genuinely, I'm like, did he do that so that we go out and sign fucking Frankie de Jong and Fofana and Maguire and everybody else that we've been linked with this week? Like the most cynical part of me is like, I wonder, Tuchel's better than this. I wonder how much that was a targeted move. But he did it at the end of the game against Tottenham too last week. So like, maybe this is just a fucking thing that he thinks. I don't know. We're past our 18 months. So like, he's yeah. overdue for a firing anyway. <laughs> yeah. um, and don't get me wrong. I I... Love Thomas Tuchel. I think he's been an amazing manager. I think his tactics are really well. But I think we keep running into situations where he's so fucking stubborn yeah. that you're like, this is to the detriment of the team tactically. For someone who prides himself in his tactics and being such a like, you know, football pervert, like, what the fuck are you doing, man? We have options. 
You didn't even give Billy Gilmore a squad number. He's a decent center mid. He could do a fucking job, especially as a Conte in, backup. In that role, backup, backup. In that role like, he'd be better than Conor Gallagher. That's just a fact. Absolutely. I don't think he's a better player than Conor Gallagher overall, but in that role, 100%, he's probably the closest to a Conte replacement we currently have. That's not to say that he's anywhere near that yeah. level by any means, but in terms of a tactical setup and his skill set, that's what he does. Give him a fucking minute. Play Reese in central defense. He came. He used to play that in the championship. Play Trevo Trelloba at center back. Like, what the fuck happened to Trevo? He was great last year. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, Tuchel's like, no, we need to buy every center back. Like, well, we have a couple that you're not using. So, like, that's the – you can't have your cake and eat it, too. Yes, I think we should make some signings. Maybe our first 11 could stand to improve, especially with how injury-prone Kante is and Kovacic is now. And all of that shit, right? Like, mm-hmm. I tweeted that, like – Liverpool don't work without Trent and Virgil, and Chelsea don't work without Conte and Reese. And like we saw that, like like Conte not being there is one hundred percent like the original problem from which everything else that went wrong in that game stems. But like fucking help yourself out, man. Like he he didn't do anything to try to like he did the opposite of good things. I'm so fucking mad. Nope, never mind. The catharsis is gone. I'm back to angry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Ian, what do you think, man? It's hard to argue with anything you've said because it's the stubbornness, I think, is a, genuinely a problem because if a, a a monkey like me watching it can can see the very basic problems that you had from from the start, you know, it was it was clear. Like you say it was well, it was clear to you from the formation and the personnel that, that he was trying to slot into those you know, square pegs, round hole scenario. Um, but from my point of view, just the game starts. You start watching it. You go, well, this this isn't working. But oh well, we'll we'll get to half time, I suppose, before we make any real changes to the system or anything. Well, by then, I just it was, don't get it. Was, it. I just don't get know, it. Too late. Play the same players, but put have, play a back four with uh, like Ruben, even with Ruben in the middle. With them, rather than playing as a wing back, you're playing Leeds for fuck's sake. There is not, there is not a single player in that Chelsea eleven that I look at the Leeds eleven and say categorically the Leeds eleven has any better individual quality at all mm. anywhere on that pitch in goal, defence, yep. midfield, attack. None of them. That's not to say Leeds are bad players, but they aren't on paper yeah. the quality. However, what Leeds seem to have now and are starting to buy into after coming out of you know being so massively Bielsa is somehow still maintaining that team unity and playing in a new way and using it to to effect. And we're seeing this with multiple teams um, across the board. Um, You know, Fulham are are playing like that. Brentford are playing like that, it seems. Um, Brighton are staying like that. Palace as well. Newcastle, you know, there are enough teams in there that can cause issues for the big clubs. And we're seeing that early at the minute. And with the amount of fixture congestion they're going to have, you know, I've, I've mentioned a couple of times Man City and probably the others are the same, but because Man City have a stupid um, friendly with Barcelona in the midweek, they don't have a single week where they aren't playing in the midweek from now until the World Cup. Like, it's mad. It's absolutely mad. And so if these, if, if you do get on a bit of a tilt and can't fix things, it can it can unravel fairly quickly, I think, this year. And you can see a lot of issues, and I joked about it before, and and you know Chelsea just being used as the example here, just simply because of the result and what we're talking about now. But you, one of these teams could find themselves again in the thirteenth or something like that after quite a few games. You look at look at Liverpool and United who kick off in ten minutes. One of them's lost both games, and the other one's drawn both games to start the season. It's mad, 
absolutely mad. And in, all of those have been probably fair results if you look at it, especially the United yeah. ones, um, because they're fucking yeah. awful. The Liverpool ones, you know, there's a few bits in there and they're really showing some quality. But this league now, man, you know, Oscar, you joke about, you know, we're the Super League. Look at Nottingham Forest, 16 players, a lot of money spent and like decent quality players, man. Aston Villa bought a load of quality early and it doesn't seem to be clicking. Brentford are making smart signings and always will. Leicester still haven't done anything yet. It's a bit weird. Southampton have bought a load of players. Arsenal have obviously Im- improved in, in areas and are clicking. Um, Spurs still seem like they're they're not quite kicking on yet to the potential that we thought they had this season. Even Wolves, who knows? They're changing their tactical style and they're buying highly rated players. Well, I think Wolves are a perfect example too because like, Players that would have gone to Benfica or Porto or like the best teams in Portugal or even like a, a higher mid-table team in Spain are going to Wolves mm-hmm. now. Like there's a reason that Wolves is like a Portuguese team basically. It's because like yeah, yeah. they can get all of these players who instead of going to Benfica are going to like a mid-table, yep. lower mid-table Premier League team. Like the 12th best team in the Premier League would probably finish in the Champions League in most countries. Yeah. Maybe not. I don't know. Italy? Italy's pretty tough. But like, how many yeah. spots do Spain get? That last four. spot for Spain could be gotten by fucking random yeah. Premier League yeah. club, for but sure. But this is the thing. I th- it almost feels like, though, that the top six haven't cottoned on to this yet. Um, like, because and it's, I think it's been a genuine theme across these first three three game weeks that they're, they're not getting respected by mid, mid-table mid teams because there's absolutely no reason why they should be. They're not given the time on the ball that they seem to expect to be. Mm-hmm. Like, Chelsea seems surprised by Leeds press. And <sighs> when it when it happens again and again, you've got to stop being surprised by it. Yeah. And it's it's happening to a lot of, of bigger teams. Especially, the, especially the first half Fulham-Liverpool, 100%. Yeah. You could see that. And everyone, I think, was like, holy shit. And it seems like Fulham are just going to play this way. Yeah, they were absolutely stunned by, by, by Fulham's press. And that's that's how, certainly, while energy levels are high after a, after a fairly easy pre-season with no tournament and things like that, you know, it might it might be more the first half of the season than the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. But we've seen it a lot. And um, the bigger teams have got to stop being surprised that they're not being given the time on the ball because I think that was the biggest thing with Chelsea. They were bad in possession, but a lot of it was because Leeds were bang on them as soon as, yeah, yeah, as yeah, soon yeah. they couldn't string two passes together without a Leeds player on their shoulder. I don't think, they to be just, fair, I don't think they could have done it without the Leeds player. Possibly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> As well, judging by that sentiment, <laughs> and and I, I think that's that's interesting. Another and and of course it's early days, and you know we've got to talk about something, and we're only three games in, but it throws up interesting questions that we've got big fixture congestion before, and then you know the the bigger the team, the more players they're going to have at the World Cup and potentially going deep in the World that's Cup, true. depending on yeah. on what the formations of the countries are that that get far in those competitions, and so you know it's not it's, nothing's a given this year. I mean. But it's fun. Like, it's been really fun so far. And, you know, the personal involvement aside, obviously, for Oscar in this one, like, you know, Newcastle being three all. Like, yeah, mm. speaking of teams getting caught with their pants down, big teams. I mean, they fucking out. Granted, like, a lot had to happen there. And, and yeah, Newcastle, I mean, Newcastle still performed well and just went at them. 
um, and you know were showing that. And Alan Say Maximan had uh, absolutely had the game of his life. I think um, yeah. that was incredible to watch. To, that was to go three one up, even if it is you know Almiron falling over into the ball and Trippier pulling out a worldie and and City you know Phil Foden seemingly never just wanting to pass to a fucking <laughs> Norse oh, god in the mid in in the middle of the box. He's one more of them from being fined a week's wages, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I I noticed it right away, too. I was like, oh, Chuck's going to say something on the pod. He should have laid it off. There's a picture Holland. There's a picture of side by side. The one the one last week is the exact oh, same. And this one, the carbon copies, just play the ball. It's it. You've got to have faith that this guy's there. And then, you know, later in the second half, they realise, oh, shit, we've got this guy. And he scored and nearly got another two. You know, there was, there was fine margins there. City easily could have been two, if not three, up before. Newcastle scored, but I guess we're talking about this game now. If, yeah. if we want to do the XG, <laughs> fuck it, we're here. Yeah, sure. Newcastle 3, Manchester City 3, Newcastle 1.8 to Man City's 2.7. So in the sports washing derby. Of uh, helping helping for Newcastle to get a draw out of this, but like 1.8 against City is hard. Most teams are not going to do that. Yeah. I mean, not everyone can keep clean sheets against City as well, though, so it's difficult. <laughs> it is really difficult. <laughs> Um, Newcastle are fucking annoying me, man. Yeah, yeah. Because they, they've got all the money in the world and they've been really fucking smart with it. And it's yeah. really, <laughs> really irritating me. Like, they haven't splashed a shit ton of cash. I mean, they're saying they can't, but I'm pretty sure there's ways they could have done. Um, they've added some decent players. Eddie Howe seems to somehow be working. Uh, and it's really confusing to me and I don't like it. Um, they've just bought Joao Pedro, apparently, or I'm not sure. I've seen a couple of conflicting reports um, right. uh, from Watford, um, who I think is another good addition, especially with Callum Wilson, you know, what his his injury situation is like. Uh, Dan Ashworth, I've mentioned before, who was the, the sporting director at Brighton, who obviously did a fantastic job in in building up their their way of, of you know, buying players from relatively unknown teams and leagues and, and selling them on for, for profit. And it's just really frustrating me because if they're going to turn out these performances and play well and be well run, like once that money starts coming in, they'll they'll just be into a top three, I think, potentially. Once they start actually putting like City did. Because City never... City's highest transfer is still nowhere near your Chelsea, your Liverpool, your, your Manchester United records. But they seem to consistently spend about between like the 40 to 60 mark, I guess on players and just continuously get quality. And I think if Newcastle are going to emulate something like that, they're definitely going to go down that route versus uh, the Manchester United route um, that, that, is, that is just scattergun and whatever and fan-led. And so off the back of having a massive fan base, a city that absolutely gets behind them, yeah, yeah I can really see how this Newcastle project, project sports wash as it were or whatever, um, they're they're actually being fairly sensible as massively oil rich clubs go. We're two years away from them finishing in to, from going on a European tour, potentially the Champions League. Like the London teams should be looking over their shoulders, and Liverpool and City need to keep doing what they're doing. Mm. Um, we're not that far off, but they're not there yet. But that was a a good performance, and I think it shows again that like these better teams. I mean, you you go to like Tottenham, right? You go to go back to the first game of the weekend. Tottenham 1.5, Wolves 0.8, Tottenham 1-0 on the scoreline. Like, it took Spurs mm. getting to the second half and, like, really radically changing the way they were playing because they looked bad in the first half. And I think they were lucky to, like, 
not be losing at halftime. I take because- everything back I said about Everton Chelsea. That Everton Chelsea was exciting compared to this game. <laughs> Fuck me, it was awful, awful. Spurs. I think Spurs' first shot was a header from Harry Kane in the forty-fifth minute against Wolves. Man, they just weren't again, just not stringing anything together, and it's really weird. Maybe it's because we were. I don't know. As us as an entity, we're a bit too high on Spurs or anything like that, and. You know, my thoughts about Wolves are fairly well documented. And, you know, yes, they are still performing shit this year. Um, They've scored as many as one goal. Um, Yeah, bad. Bad times. But, I mean, I'm sure Conte will shout it into them um, and and they'll they'll start clicking again, especially, you know, we remember how fear-inducing they were down the stretch last year. And, you know, it was 40-plus goal involvements between their front three after Christmas, I think, or something ridiculous like that. So, yeah, if they, they need to make sure they click. Yeah, but I think they they showed that in the second half. I think they must have gotten a fucking talking two and a half because mm. Perisic came out, and Perisic specifically in the second half, 45 minutes into his debut for the club, um, was running that show. Like, just chance after chance, run after run, just just a menace and the fact that they only ended 1-0 and that they generated 1.5 after doing fuck all for the first 45 minutes True. is pretty impressive because like if you you know double that it's three which is as much as man city um it they were good that second half was good and i think if they can like find that consistency if parasitch can play more and start to really find his rhythm in the team then that boring first half notwithstanding, like I think this was a pretty good result and a decent performance for Tottenham. But they do need to be careful. Because like teams don't have 45 minutes to warm up to a game anymore. Mm-hmm. Like you guys said. There's not that fucking time. Like you have to do it and you have to do it quick. Um, and they kind of maybe, if you're being mean, got away with one there. Um, because they offered nothing in the first half, but they were very good. In yeah, the I think half, so. considering the number of shots Wolves had and to not generate one just shows how much, you know, Wolves couldn't penetrate uh, the the block that Spurs had. You know, they were pretty much always just speculatively shooting from outside the box. Um, yeah, we call that the Ruben Neves special. Exactly. Yeah, but Ruben Neves normally scores them. Um, but they, <laughs> you know, it, it remains to be seen. Uh, you know, Mateus Nunes, who we mentioned, Pep Guardiola, uh, take from this what you will, because I'm sure he said that about Nathan Redmond as well, said that he's like one of his favourite footballers in the world and thinks he's one of the best footballers in the world. Um, so obviously they brought him in as well as Gonzalo um, Guidesh, uh, I believe his name is. And so, yeah, this, they, might, they might be selling Pedro Neto as well and changing a lot. But yeah, it's just strange um, times going on. I think they've been linked with a player called Sasha Kalajic, uh, Kalajic or something like that who is some six foot six striker as well so maybe maybe strikers are coming back in force um, in that way and we'll see something different from them even if they're just playing a different formation now they they are playing a, a four at the back in at least in attack or two at the back um, versus having the five in defense and maybe they're just adjusting to that but also it's wolves so I'm just I just don't like them fair enough it is just wolves um it should <laughs> note it's early in the season but the current running numbers for the top four have gotten very spicy after this last round of results. Tottenham are 50%, Arsenal are 49%, and Chelsea are 48%. So it is pretty much a three-way tie to make the Champions League for the last two spots. One of those teams is going to feel very aggrieved. And that fits with what we had said preseason. Um, unfortunately, fits with how Chelsea have shown themselves, even though they should, I think, be 
clearly better than the other two London teams. Yeah, and I assume, you know, equally that you've checked and the percentages are just as high for Palace, you know, because we're going to uh, be... Palace are 100% for a European <laughs> tour, motherfucker! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> we're all going on a European tour, a European tour, a European tour. Queuing at the border because we fucking voted out pricks Brexit. Um, <laughs> woo! Happy times, happy days. Happy times. Crystal Palace three, Villa one. Crystal Palace three point one to Villa's one point two. So almost a perfect XG scoreline. We love to see that. A little cherry on top of the wonderful result and frankly terrifying performance. I think I'm the only one that watched this one live, given the time that it was on in the country that you live in where you're not allowed to watch your own sports teams absolutely uh, yes for reasons <laughs> obviously you were both at your local uh pub team supporting the the lower divisions obviously so you couldn't have seen yeah. this one come on woking um <laughs> fucking incredible man like chance after chance after chance after chance mm. i yeah, know it's 3.1 scoring three but it felt like it could have been five or six mm-hmm. keep going like, that's that was the vibes i'm nearly there keep he's, going he's nearly there uh as a <laughs> dribble after dribble oh, looking oh. amazing oh. uh zaha getting on the end of stuff Mm-mm-mm. um oh. jordan ayu yeah. jordan ayu was there i didn't even mind jordan ayu. this is how good things are <laughs> jordan ayu, like i'm fine with it i'm cool i'm down this he, he he is a problem for you not to be <laughs> negative but that's the vibe i'm in right now He's, he is a dead yeah. zone for possession like the moment the ball goes to him i'm like oh never mind that 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 chance is done <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's hard to keep justifying him <laughs> if I'm um how many times have you watched the highlights now we've had a few messages Four. saying oh all right i'll <laughs> I'll watch the highlights again. Four, I've watched all the pre-match, all the post-match interviews <laughs> on the Palace thing. I've watched three highlights packages on Palace. I've watched Match of the Day four times. <laughs> so, yeah, there's quite a lot that I haven't told you about. Oh, mummy, this is uh, this is just the best I've ever seen my team. That's just, just a fact. Um, and... I, for once, want to be really un-British and American about it and only want to focus on the positives of us nice. and not the negatives of Villa. Um, we can come on to that in a bit, of course, but it, it's after after the, the Liverpool lineup and then whatever of, of, you know, not being happy with it and then seeing, oh, actually, the, the game plan worked. Um, then Soros obviously shift back to a 4-3-3 for this one and real shame to kind of go behind early but um and it was a bit silly but that that can obviously happen um but the key was then obviously like the response three minutes later Zaha scores a goal which is fairly you know you could fairly liken to the the type of chance he got against Liverpool um beautiful ball from the back knocked on lovely by Edward and Zaha running through shaking his man off and hitting with his weaker foot again across goal um across Martinez who you know is no mug um and again telling himself I just hit it early just didn't want to you know let the keeper set himself which I think is very much almost like a like humming son kind of thing that we see you know he his his goals a lot of the time have been breakthroughs and the reason a lot of his chances are really low xg is because he fire he shoots quite far out but early and doesn't let the keeper set himself I think anyway and so seeing that from Zaha it's just unreal did you see his like nutmeg after nutmeg after nutmeg dribble <laughs> yeah yeah fucking a. So I don't know good. if that would have been in the highlights or not because I don't think he scored from it but like 
there just was that the dribble. one. Yeah, that one that was down. Uh, maybe I'm thinking of a different one that was down in the corner where he did a couple of times, then passed it off. And I think we got a shot off from it. If I'm thinking the same one, um, yeah, I think that's right. Eze's yeah. run out where he goes. He just glides, and it's like the ball's in the middle of the park. And you think, oh, he's never going to get that, and then just just runs and a lovely little tap. Kind of could have won the foul, but plays the ball off to Edward, who then wins the foul on the edge of the Villa area, getting from our box to their box in the space of about seven, eight, ten seconds. Just just beautiful play, absolutely lovely, especially after you know he he his ACL ruptured. Um, towards the back end of last se- uh, the season before last even. So he's coming into yeah. his third season now and it's finally like he's just taking to it. He's getting there, playing with the crowd because his first season was COVID, so no crowd there. So he's getting to enjoy that and we're just fucking clicking, man. And it's beautiful. And like I said, I have so much faith in Vieira in his team selections, in the team around Vieira, in helping to get, that kind of uh, the tactical stuff done get it in place and so that it's working um then obviously putting in the work in training and all of that kind of shit and as well the the upper levels dougie friedman and the board and just now from the purchases we've made from the players we've shifted on from the way we've transformed this team from roy hodgson to now reducing the age gap massively to now all the players we're linked with i'm like my opinion almost doesn't matter. It's like, I have faith. I have complete faith in them. Mm. And I've never mm. had that in my time as a Palace fan and seen that like we're getting these results on the pitch. I mean, you know, we look at XG tables and, and we had one of the hardest starts out of any team. We played Arsenal, who are currently first, um, win it, the only team to win all of their games. We've played Liverpool and we've played Villa. And Villa, everyone was really high on. But for XG differential per 90, we're fourth in the league. We the only team that's generated more XG than us is Manchester fucking City over those three games. Oof. Yeah, and obviously you take the XG numbers with a huge grain of salt. We're not at five matches. We're not at ten matches yet. But like, those aren't bad numbers. Those aren't that's, bad that's numbers for the matches. That's only reason to keep staying high on them because we were already high on them coming in. So like, they've shown nothing but reinforce that. I think. But we pay attention to those XG numbers match by match. I mean, we reference them ourselves in just individual matches. Yeah. And uh, as Chuck said, the start they had to generate that XG, that's, you know, yeah. you can no, only No, 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 for sure. I'm not trying to be dismissive. Yeah, yeah. But... I know, I know. But you're just saying, you know, you can, you can only analyse what's there. And that's really, really good numbers, you know. But, really but, good numbers. But that's the thing. I think with the small sample size, you add in the context of who they were playing and what the situations yeah, right, were exactly. and look at the yeah. games that, like, it gets more impressive than with Palace. Like... For example, yeah, not, not to less. drag them down, yeah. we think Nottingham Forest have had a great start to the season, and yes, they absolutely have. But by XG differential, they're the worst team in the league. Like right, yeah, them, yeah. Bournemouth, Leicester, and yeah, we know about Leicester; they're fucking shit. Um, and so they're going to be Chelsea loads, next week, probably. Loads of rumours that Rogers is already getting fired, and two board members want rid of him, and all of that. But anyway, enough about them. Let's talk about Palace. And so I have a question then for you. Chuck. Shush, please. The third goal. Oh, sorry. The third <laughs> goal. Obviously, the penalty. Chuck is holding court. The penalty and giving it to Martinez, um, which is fun after, you know, he saved the penalty and then Zaha uh, put in the rebound coolly as anything. Getting a bit of that swagger and we just kept attacking, kept attacking. And uh, the link up between Eze, Zaha and Tyrick Mitchell on that left side is yeah. 
just unbelievable. And it, it kind of means that the right-hand side looks a lot more pedestrian, uh, given that it's, you know, Joel Ward, Jordan Ayew and whatever. But that's kind of like the workman-like side until Elise yeah. at least comes in. Um, remember him? Yeah, he's still around. Um, oh, yeah. sick. Um, but <laughs> Edward, then, man. Edward came up. Edward, did he start or did he Edward come Edward started and played absolutely amazing and came very close. Jeff Schlupp, uh, he had obviously that goal ruled out for offside, which is just such a shitty offside. It was an oh, arm yeah. where, you know, he was hardly moving. The defender cleared past him and would have played him onside like half a second, split second later. Yeah. So, But whatever, it's disallowed. Uh, penalty, cast iron penalty, 100%. Fuck off. Anyone who says otherwise will not hear it. But the third goal, the interplay between the three of them to then put it out to Tyrick Mitchell, who apparently is only just discovering his end product to play a beautiful first time ball to the near post for the reason that before and in training Mateta's been speaking to him and says when you give it in give it to me I'm always I'm gonna go near post which I don't think he should probably say publicly in in an interview but (laughs) here we are to then score with his first touch of the game after he's been, you know, obviously Mateta and Edward have been rotated. Our squad does get rotated. There's disappointment, but there's also competition in our squad. To do that with his first touch, fuck yeah. We're it, it, unreal. Just absolutely unreal. And and so great to be a part of. My dad got a season ticket for the first time this year in donkey's oh, wow. years. Oh, nice. And I'm so <laughs> fucking jealous that he gets to go every week um, because we're just... It, We've we've not been in a single relegation discussion for the first time, like in my lifetime. Um, everyone's really high on us. We were, you know, you look at like us and say Brighton last year. Like we we both finished, we were all like one point apart, whatever it was. But I think we both had like thirteen to fifteen draws. Now you convert if both those teams convert half of those games into draws, which is easily doable. That you're sitting on sixty odd points, and then you're you're talking like top six for both of them. So the amount of teams at that lower end of the top that need to be looking over their fucking shoulder, in in a legitimate sense, for teams like Palace, for teams, and I, and you know what, I, I will say Brighton as well because Graham Potter gets them greater than the sum of their parts. Jesse Marsh seems to be getting leads greater than the sum of their parts. Thomas Frank with Brentford, they have an identity. And these clubs like Man United and seemingly, unless it changes soon, Oscar, you know, potentially a team like Chelsea, it's not unheard of, but it seems to be a little bit lost there now. Like they need, they need to look out for teams like us. And that's, that's such an awesome, powerful thing to say for me, especially given that like, and then let's go on to the other side, like West Ham this year. Three games, haven't scored a goal. What the fuck? They're in Europe this year. They've also got fixture congestion. They could be fucked. Villa, smart business early on, got their business done early. We were all very high on them. And what the fuck is going on? They're talking about getting rid of Gerard. If he loses his next three games, he's got like the highest loss percentage of any Aston Villa manager ever. Um, after, you know, it's again, small sample size of probably like 30 odd games or something, but like they're not liking him. And he lost, I can't remember his first team coach that went to manage in the championship. But apparently, according to um, the way things are, Gerard is very much like the Sir Alex Ferguson type. He doesn't do stuff. He kind of oversees everything, gets to know the players, make sure everyone's kind of doing their bit and keeps it together and is kind of the figurehead of it. But his like right-hand man was the tactician. 
That's it. Ouch. So now with that changing, that's maybe why we're seeing people going, well, we don't really know how they're going to play. And it's not because it seems like well, it's no, they've jointed fl- up. They've, they've, flipped, um, they've flipped tactics three times. Mm-hmm. Three matches, and they've flipped between two two general tactical setups, one that seemed to work, and two that haven't. And they've played those two in t- the two matches they lost. It seems very odd. It seems very odd. Actually, I didn't know any of that back uh, behind the scenes stuff. That makes... Uh, an awful lot of sense mm. with what you're seeing on the pitch, you know. Yeah. Speaking of weird shit, Man United just scored. So, um, oh, did they? Right. You're, you're ahead of me. Oh, you're ahead of me too. <laughs> <laughs> mm. oh, well, I look forward to but this. Yeah. So, so like a team like Villa, they, you know, Leicester, that kind of thing. Southampton, we're not sure. We see things again about Hassan Hootal, but, you know, mm. they're coming back from behind. Leicester seemingly just keep throwing points away um, again. And when you've got, you know, the Fafana thing, which baffling to me. How can you have a club saying and it's it's a seller's market for this. If you if you've got a player on a long term contract, fine. You've got Chelsea and we're saying they're gonna pay 70, 80, or 85 million is what Leicester want. And you rate a player that highly. To then have Brendan Rogers come out and say, Well, I'm not gonna play him because, you know, his his he's young and his mind not but might not be in the right place. I think place. he I think like, he asked not to get played for the record. Do you think so? Do you actually think... I think think that's what they were talking about on one of the athletic pods, that he specifically was, like, um, trying to force the move, basically. He was like, please... That feels more believable than you saying, here's this £85 million uh, young defender who's absolutely excellent and our best defender, and we're um, not going to play him because we don't actually think he can mentally handle it. That was yeah. that to me for, from Rogers was absolutely insane. Like these guys are professionals, and if you do think he's eighty five million quid, surely he does have the mentality to be able to yeah. deal with playing a game of football when you get. I into think they it. are going to sell him to us. I think they're just going to wait till it's like late enough that we can't play him against them this weekend. So like they'll sell him on like Saturday night or whatever. But right. Okay. Like they're holding out. I want to go back to something because it was the question I was going to ask, and you kind of naturally segged to it. We then continued a conversation beyond it, but. Going back to Palace for a second, you said that like the Chelsea's, the Arsenal's, the Tottenham's should be looking over their shoulder. The other mid-table teams like are frankly falling behind a little bit. So my question to you is at what point do we transition from, oh, wow, look how good Palace are. This is awesome. This is great. They played so good. They're getting points from these hard fixtures to holding them accountable for expectations given that they finished like fifth unexpected last year and that they've looked so good so far this year, we're talking about a European tour. I'm not Mm. really joking when I say that, like we say it jokingly, but I think that they are one of the six best teams, one of the five or six best teams in England. And I think that like at some point we transition and I don't want to be the asshole who's like, Oh man, you know, especially on this pod, because like, it's not my team to have that stance Mm. on, but like, you as a fan, at what point are you like, no, we should be beating Villa. And if we don't beat Villa, I'm angry. Not, oh, I'm so happy we looked so good um, against Villa. I don't know, because I've always kind of felt like that about teams that are of a certain thing and, you know, and you miss the opportunities. But that's kind of why the mid-table teams stay the mid-table teams and the lower league teams stay the lower down teams and the top six are the top six teams because they beat more of the teams they quote-unquote should. Um, right. And I think at this point, we can comfortably say that Palace are better than those teams and should beat those teams, like, yeah. week in and week out. I, don't, I, st- uh, I wouldn't say, in terms of a broader narrative, that this season should be that season. 
Okay. Um, I think you've still kind of got a free pass in effect because it's the second year of Vieira. That you know there were no expectations this year, last year, sorry, anywhere, and now there's a no. bit more. There is definitely a bit more of an expectation to improve and do better than next year. Now that doesn't mean that there's light years to go to qualify for Europe, be that just or actually like fully deserving it. Um, I maybe start to level it if we let's say we finished eighth this year solidly eighth again maybe potentially a little bit underperforming and then we go into next season um just to kind of focus maybe on the future proofing of it you know we're trying to buy in players now to cover for when we lose players next year like Zaha's contract runs out next year we're in the last year now who knows maybe he'll sign another one um I'd you know for me Right now, we can obviously buy a couple more players, uh, maybe another centre mid, maybe a right back or, or or another attacking player that can play on the left-hand side. Yeah. But also, if if we got like Zaha and Vieira to sign a new contract, that would also be great um, because Elise, Eze, um, Zaha, there's going to be potential for all three of those or, well, two of those to be, well, for us to be receiving big bids for them. And like, we're not, we're not a big club. We're not, you know, I say it about Brighton. Brighton, yes, they've been really smart, but it took a three hundred million pound owner loan to get them there. We don't have that. We we don't. You know, we we got ninety million the year before last on, but uh, from John Texter, a lot of that did go on players, but that also went into the academy as well, as well as some of the Aaron Wambasaka money, so that our club is debt free effectively to keep running and keep operating because we've got one of the smallest stadiums in the league. And, and we're not big. So potentially, if we do start seeing bids come in for those players, it's about future-proofing it. Um, mm. And so that's why I may be a bit not too committal on saying that there is more of an expectation. I think okay. there's... I mean, I, that's I, fair. That's totally I can, fair. You know, I, I'll legitimately say that, like, outside of the top six, um, we've got one of the top three best squads. Which okay. means that, like, oh, and like, definitely the most exciting. That means I think that probably there's about 11, 12 teams that we should beat. Should. Fair enough. But that's, so, who are those other two then? Who I'd would you say, say probably Brighton and maybe West Ham because they've okay. just not clicked, I think, at the start. But there's some weird Brighton shit going on there. I know you're in a good mood because you're saying nice things about Brighton. Yeah, because I, you know. <laughs> The Patreons, you know, coming in and, and Eric Meyer being, you know, being nice to him. But, you know, I think at some point, at least once, I have to kind of be fair on it. But there but there are also a lot of teams that are doing good things that, that can happen. Um, but, you know, again, it's really early days across the league. But no. How many things. teams go to Europe? Without like the shitty one that's not eight even the Europa now. League? Eight now, eight? I think, because of the way it changes. <laughs> as I think you'd say, eight. as many as eight. Well... I don't know, but we're gonna win. We're gonna win the FA Cup, so it's fine. Well, that's exactly. that's also true. No, that's ours. That's, we're fine. That's we're what win I really it. want. I, I really want another, <laughs> at least one decent cup run. I want another another deep run in that. That I don't. I don't see why we can't that going alongside a league campaign. That's all amazing experience um, for our players, without having the huge amount of fixture congestion of a club that does get into Europe just yet. Because I don't think. Yeah, we'll we'll need to add quite a bit to our squad. And I'm hope- hopeful that we can add a bit more in now so that when the bids do come for other players 
and then we get that money. You know, we're not getting rinsed because people know we've mm. got that money, if you see what I mean. We're just like, okay, yeah. we've lost, like, let's say at the minute we're being linked to Ismail Assar. Okay, well, Zaha's gone, but we've just got Ismail Assar that we can play on the left wing. And then, oh, Elise, we've just received a 70 million bid for him. Okay, well, now we've got Malcolm Abioe right there coming in. And so he he can hopefully get blooded as well. And, and it's just more exciting attacking talent to to replenish it. So There you go. 10% for the Champions League, by the way. Double digits. 10%. Double digits. Holy shit. That's that's pretty incredible. After as many as three games. Well, you know, we don't talk. Well, we'll with the percents, we don't talk about the, the sample size. Because five thirty eight uses a lot of historical data for that too. Like they're not just looking at this season's XG when they make those projections. They're looking at like a whole lot of things. Their formula is confusing to me. Um, I've tried reading about it, and it, it's like not. I don't know. I'm not really sure how they come up with those numbers completely. But uh, but they are numbers. And there are numbers that say that Palace are ten percent to make the, the Champions League. So, you know, oh, can we stop talking about soccer now? Um, I mean, we can talk about FPL. No, oh god, no, no, no. And with Man United scoring, <laughs> it's even worse. Nope. No serious players had a good week, Oscar. No serious players had yeah, a good yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. yeah, only the casuals have had a good only week, Oscar. Well, this casuals continuing to extend his lead at the top of the map. Host. The mop mini league, yeah. uh, the mop host mini league. We should make a, ho- a host mini league just so I can be in first place in something. Um, that would be nice, just the three For of us. Uh-huh. <laughs> but oh, we're not giving a Burnley of the week this week. Although I will just, Mr. Simpson. Actually, can you cue the jingle for me real quick? Oh, they're better than they ought to be. Burnley of the week. The Burnley of this, the week this week is Manchester United because whatever result they get, they don't deserve it. They deserve nothing but misery and suffering. So it will be an undeserved result by its very nature. Even a loss would not be disappointing enough for them. How are they winning? Um, they're up 1-0, though. Sancho goal. That's nice for him. I know. And they, they like have looked decent for it. Look, surprise, surprise, you know who's not there and they might be creating stuff. Who knows? Mm. Milner know. is shouting at everyone. His own players, their <laughs> players. He is, he is an angry man. Old man yeah. shouts at Cloud. It is very much that vibe. Yeah. Oh, so FPL, though, we should mention the top 10 in the league and promo yeah, it and whatnot. Yeah, we, we should. Oh, fucking hell. Trent Alexander-Arnold got a yellow card and has conceded against Man United. What is my life? Um, yes, yeah. we have a uh, league. Um, join it. You'll probably finish above me. This is how I've changed this week. <laughs> Um, the code to join is DG63MA, or you can click in the show notes um, just down there and you can join these guys in our top 10. 10th place, Owen Carr with Wee's Wanderers. Uh, in ninth, Oyesena Olesegun. Apologies if I pronounce that wrong with Akobo FC. Uh, 186 points we're looking at in the top 10, which is pretty decent. Uh, eighth place, Gerald Griffith, Zaha. Oh, yes. Seventh, Diego DeLorio, Darwinista Evolution. Sixth, Atletico Bourneville, Lynn Hammer. Number five. Oh, uh, Lynn, got, Lynn got in touch, actually, because we've been uh, checking our pronunciations with the Patreons. But um, yeah, it's Lynn Hamer. Hamer? Yeah, Lynn not Hammer. Hamer. Lahaima. Yeah. Uh let's go Bourneville. Uh in fifth, Oscar's best mate, Guatemalan Cafe Magic, Uber Rodriguez. Vamos Chapines! Oi! In fourth, I still can't read his team name, it's Vin Lee. In third, he's dropped from first. Oh, Sam Van Dam, Sam Damby. Here comes the son. Second, Safira Gold. Gold! 
Thank you. With Fulham Till I Die FC on 205 points, but currently on 206 points with a 49 point game week, which may as well be 100 with how shit this one's been. <laughs> this week, bloody hell. Chris Smith with Chicken Tikka Mole Salad, baby. Oh, I'm so glad that team name's 206. Top. <laughs> yeah, so glad it's still a thing. It's been a thing for donkey's years. It's great. I love it. With all due respect to the Patreons in that top 10 and any other listeners, I am very clearly rooting for Guatemalan Cafe <laughs> Magic. <laughs> so let's do it. Come on, you got this. Uh, what about the three of us? Should we talk about our points this week? Or Should do you guys we not want talk it? about our points? Scroll, scroll, scroll. Oscar, you are in 26th <laughs> in the league uh, yep. on a 168 points. Uh, scroll, scroll, scroll. Ian, <laughs> you're on 35 points with still pending moderation and 159 <laughs> points. And I scroll, 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 and below Nate Whittam after insulting his team on uh, how many? 23 <laughs> points this week, 153 points. Horland Oats. Oof. Hubris Oof. has hit me hard, baby. Um, <laughs> I'm not a happy bunny in FPL world, but my fan tracks is going really, really well in draft. So. Um, oh, I don't want to talk about fan tracks. Well, oh, no, that was two weeks ago. This week was good, actually, despite the Chelsea result. I'm yet to pick up a win. <laughs> Ian, <laughs> come on. I'm trying as well. I'm really trying. Be better. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really trying. Quiz wizard. Yeah. Do we have a quiz? Oh, we have a fucking quiz, all right. I can't even tell you how excited I am for this. Quiz time. I am quiz. Quiz guy. Quiz, quiz. The word quiz in the song. Bluffer quiz. It's time for bluffer. <laughs> bluffer quiz. Is it a bluffer? bluffer time. Oh, it's time. a bluffer. Gentlemen, the Patreons Uh-oh. have been talking, ab- some of them have been going back and listening to old episodes. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> um, and talking about how, oh, I only got Libel. here such and such year. We should go back and listen to the back catalog. And I believe it was Jeff. Um, sorry if it was someone else. Jeff looms large in the mind after the Spurs game a couple of, <laughs> like last week or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, who said you really should go and listen to the Bluffer Trilogy episodes from the pandemic. I don't know how much you guys remember because this was a long time ago, a whole ass mm. pandemic ago. Not um, at but all. we did 15 categories per episode for a trilogy of episodes, a total of 45 categories. Okay. In that time. Yeah. We are doing a trilogy of Bluffer categories. I'm telling you in advance, you can go back and listen to those three episodes and memorize all the oh, answers if you that. want. <laughs> I have chosen five from the 15 per episode, best of five. Obviously, we're not going to do all five, Ian, just shit himself. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so confused as what's happening right now. So, so are we doing, uh, hang on, are we redoing those categories or are we yes, doing absolutely. a bluff on updated, what the categories were? Updated, so like, um, but yes, those same categories Oh God. from those episodes. So on the very first time we ever played the bluffer, we had 15 categories. Some of them... Ian were fucking terrible, and some of them were really good. How dare you? <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay. So I've chosen five of them. Uh, Mr. Stimson, I just made fun of you, so I'll go to you first. From one to five, just pick a number, and then that'll be the category we do. One. All right, one. The list of Premier League Golden Boot winners. There have been 25 different humans to win the Golden Boot since 1992. Obviously, there are more seasons than that. Some people have won it more than once. Of the 25 humans to win the Premier League's Golden Boot Award, how many can you name? Um, 
I will say uh, seven. Oh, I was going to do the Oscar bid first. Oh, sorry. <laughs> All right, we have seven. Chuck, can you do more than seven? Ten. Ten. Oh, shit, ten out of jump. twenty-five. Mr. Stimson, do you want to go higher than ten? Five, six, seven, uh, oh, I shouldn't probably count my answers, should I? Uh, <laughs> I hate that. I hate, it goes so against the spirit of the game that you write stuff down. I it, like, have to. It infuriates have to. me. Look, to I, no Oscar, I don't Oscar, care. nothing. Look, I'm going to show you my hands the whole I time. I know, no, I know, Chuck. You and I are honorable humans. <laughs> and Ian <laughs> is a care. cheater, cheater, pants eater. He's the one that told us about the FPL cheating website, all mm-hmm. of these things. Ian, the bid is 10, I believe. Can you go higher okay, than 10? Okay, uh, 12. 13. 13. Uh, 14. 16. Ooh, he's moving you up fast, faster yeah, than you can write. Yeah, it's too quick, it's too quick. Yeah, uh, yeah go 16. 16, Chuck, I'm going to need 16 Premier League Golden Boot winners. Ian, can you count for me? Yep, we'll do. Excellent. Okay. Uh, Let's go from last season. Hung Min Sun. One. Harry Kane. Two. Mohamed Salah. Three. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Four. Sadio Mane. Five. Jamie Vardy. <laughs> uh, yes, six. Okay, we then had like Salah, Uh We'll go Thierry Henry. Seven. He's won it the most times of anybody. Yeah, Alan Shearer. Correct. Eight. Halfway. Kevin Phillips. Kevin Phillips is always a good one. Kevin Phillips. Yes, 1999-2000 yeah. <laughs> season. Very good. Yeah. Uh, Chris Sutton. Chris Sutton. Yes, 1997-98. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. Ooh, Correct, 1998-1999. I did not have that one. And again, 2000-2001. Michael Owen. Yep. Uh, four more. Shit. <laughs> um, Robin Van Persie. Robin Van Persie, correct. He won it twice. Cristiano Ronaldo won it. Cristiano Ronaldo did win it, correct. He who shall not be named won it in 0708. Two more. Uh, Dwight York. Dwight York, yes, 1998-99. Good pull, fuck. Um, fuck. Rooney. Rooney is not on the team. Wayne Rooney did not ever win the Golden Andy Cole. Why did I say Rooney when Andy Cole? You could have had Andy Cole, Teddy Shearingham... Dion Dublin, not someone I've ever heard of. Dion Dublin, uh, Rude Van Nistelrooy, the one and only Didier Drogba. How dare you forget him? Yeah, no, uh, I went Tevez, stupid. Timitar Turvatov uh, is up there. Oh, I got so annoyed fatigue. at myself oh. right now. I had all of those, all of those in my head, and I said Rooney. That's Dickhead. tough. That's tough. I'm angry. Them's the breaks with the bluffer. So point to Ian. I'm on tilt. <laughs> Ian, he's on tilt. Chuck, you pick the next category, and now Two. it is from one to four. Two. Two. Very good. Wait, what? It went from one to four? Because <laughs> I closed the tab, so now there's four tabs. <laughs> okay. Yep. Uh, we have Mr. Bailey, 22 host countries of the Men's World Cup. Oh, Chuck's very good at this. Now, this is 22 different countries, not... Um, Country and year combinations or anything like that? Uh, 11. Oh, fucking hell, that's so quick, man. Uh, okay, I'll go 12. 13. Uh, actually, it's 19, so I don't know if you guys want to start the bidding Excellent. over again. No, or... it's, it's fine. 
it's fine. Keep it where it's at. Okay, I, I mean, good. I don't know what I just bid. Did I just bid twenty? If I, I bid twenty, I'm probably fine. No, you bid thirteen. You bid yeah. thirteen, okay. and I, I'm gonna concede and let you go for that. Ooh, okay. he's banking on you being on tilt, Chuck. I need thirteen World Cup host nations. Okay. Uh, Russia. Correct. One. Brazil. Two. 1950 and 2014, two-time host. South Africa. Correct, 2010. Germany. Yes, 2006 and 1974 as the title of West Germany. Ooh, two countries, so I could have done that, never mind. Uh, <laughs> Japan Japan and South Korea. Ding and ding, that does count as two, 2002. <laughs> yeah, okay. two countries. France, 98. Correct, and also 1938, 50 years apart. USA, 94. Correct, and 2026 upcoming. Five more. It- Italia, 90. Yep, and 1934. Uh, Mexico. Yep, 1970 and 1986. How many more have I got to name? Three. Three. England. Uh, I didn't say correct, Mr. Stimson, but yes, England, oh, 1966. <laughs> <laughs> Give me some credit. England, Uruguay. Uruguay, very good. 1930, the very first ever World Cup. First one, yeah. That's yeah, about the only fact I remember. Barcelona, Spain. No, that's Olympics. Shit, I said Spain. Ding, ding, Spain is an answer. 1982, <laughs> Spain. It is 82. Oh, fuck. I had 82 Barcelona in my head and then thought, no, that's the Olympics. Woo, feel the rush. There you go, 1-1. One, 1-1, one. One, one. World Cup host category goes What ones did I miss? To Paraguay? Chuck. Uh, Argentina, you could have had... Uh, did you say Chile? No, I did not. Chile, um, Sweden? Did you say Sweden and Switzerland? I did not say Sweden and Switzerland. 54, 58. And I think that's it. Very good. So we'll close that tab, which means that Mr. Stimson, would you like one, two, or three? I'll have one. He'll have one. <laughs> this is one of my favorites. Oh, damn. Oh, I no. am on Wikipedia. To, to just remove any controversy around IMDb <laughs> and situations we've had on IMDb before. Here we go. Zac Efron films. Oh my god. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> 30 Zac Efron films in theaters, plus six 30. released on television. How many, many Zac Efron movies? This is such an old inside joke that most people listening to this do not get it, but we love Zac Efron on this podcast. I specifically want to see his dick. Ian also, <laughs> but won't admit it. Um, hey, I'll admit it. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, he's, he probably has a nice dick. I'm just saying. Anyway. We did um, this before, and there were loads that I'd completely forgotten about. Yeah, yeah 36. This. So we have 36 to choose from between released oh in cinemas God. and released on television. How many Zac Efron films can you name? If we go higher than 20% of these. Yeah, if you can name double digits, I'll be very impressed here. Honestly. Okay, I'll go six. six. Fuck you, I have six. I'll bet they're the same fucking six, probably. Do you want to go for seven? Yeah, sure, I'll go for seven. Chuck says seven. Mr. Stimson, do you want to go for eight? I'd be so happy if someone goes for double digits here. I'm not going to lie. But, like, you know, you got to win the game, too. I don't think I can. No, I can't. I can't. Fuck you. No. Why did you do that? <laughs> Say eight. I have six. I haven't six. got them written down. I just can't. I have six. Keep writing. Come on, no, you can do I, this. I believe in you, Lucky number Ian. seven, Chuck. Come no on, more Chuck. stalling. Uh, Give me seven Zac Efron movies, please. <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, I, I might have one you haven't, but I don't. I Yeah, I just can't. 
Ian, you're just giving him more time to think. You know this. High School Musical 1, 2, and 3. <laughs> Very good. High School Musicals 1 and 2 almost didn't just, make the list. That's why yeah. I said television films also. Because otherwise yeah. you guys would have been furious. So yes, that is three off the bat. Oh, One, two, and three. oh dear, my pain could have been ended sooner. Um, <laughs> Just the I'm gonna off. get. I'm definitely gonna get the title wrong. Shockingly wicked. Shockingly evil, wicked and vile. The Ted Bundy film. Now that was the one I thought you wouldn't get that I have got. You've got you've got the title in the wrong order. But I well, it's Oscar's the judge. I'm gonna give it to him. Yeah, yeah that's I pretty think that's close. Fair. Yeah. yeah. It's extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. Yeah. Okay, that's it. You had the right uh, words in there. It's close enough. I'm bad at names, so I'm going to be inclined to let you have that. Three more Zac Efron movies, please. Baywatch. Very good. <laughs> Ding. Played Matt Sorry. Brody, 2017's Baywatch. The movie that started this whole bit. That awful Charlie St. Cloud. Very good. Charlie St. Cloud, 2010. I did not have that. And then there's a film with a poster, and it's his <laughs> face, and he's doing the film, and it got absolutely panned, and it's like a social media bollocks thing. I, I can't think of any other films he's been in. Not a single one. 36. I'm going to give you seven seconds here to come up with one more. That's, this is a 30-second clock, so I'm not going to do it all. But... I'm going to need a final answer here, Chuck. No, uh, yeah, I don't have anything. Oh, that hurts me. That hurts me. I'm sorry. But ding, ding, point goes to Ian on the Zac Efron movies. Ian, do you want to throw any uh, Zac Efron movies out there? You the may only have one, The only one I've got that I don't think he said was The Greatest Showman. Greatest Fuck. Showman. You Fuck could have also life. had Hairspray. Oh, I love that film so much. Yeah, I do. It's a great <laughs> film. I love that film so much. Um, you could have also Fuck had you, Hairspray from 2007. That's a good one. Uh, 17 again, also a good one with Chandler. Stop talking. Stop talking. <laughs> He's in the Lorax. You could have had Neighbors and Neighbors Stop 2. Stop talking. Stop Which talking. I'm sure you've seen because we've talked about Bad Neighbors. I have not seen either of those films. All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> and a lot of others. Uh, a personal favorite of mine, if anyone's looking for a deep cut Zac Efron movie recommendation, <laughs> is That Awkward Moment. He was also an executive producer on that one from 2014. Stop talking. <laughs> uh, Chuck, would you like left or no. right? Right, left Twix. Left Twix. Oh, good. This is actually a much better category for you than it is for Ian, so... Uh, um, you'll it. like this one. I narrowed it down a bit because last time we did this, there was like 200 possible answers. Okay. So I focused it to Hogwarts students who were sorted in 1991. In other words, Harry Potter's Hogwarts class. His... Not the year above, not the year below. His exact classmates, people he had classes with, he played Quidditch against... All of these things. 1991 oh, sorting class of Hogwarts. There are 44 people 44. who are officially oh my God. named characters. There are ones that are like unidentified brown-haired Gryffindor girl. That is right. not... Oh, <laughs> that was my... <laughs> Boy who kept a bezoar in his pocket. No, not one. Let's, let's go 13 for the Oscar special. There it is. 13 Hogwarts 1991 students. Do you need surnames? I will decide that and I will be (laughs) generous in the moment. (laughs) Steve. Yeah. There's there's someone named Sue. You can't just say random names. (laughs) I haven't got a chance of hitting 13 and we need to crack on. You know 13 Hogwarts students. Come on. I'm sure I I will know everyone. I I think this happened last time we did this. I can't. This is a carbon copy, I think, oh, of what happened I last time. I should have done 10. But yeah, go with your 13. 
Chuck, for Ian, this could potentially be for the win for you, Chuck. To keep yourself alive and see a fifth category, I need you to name 13 Hogwarts students who were sorted in 1991. In the same year as Harry Potter. Yes, Harry Potter's year. <laughs> Harry Potter. So Harry Potter. One. Very good. Ron Weasley. Two. Yep. Hermione Granger. Three. Yep. Uh, Draco Malfoy. Correct. Four. Uh, can surnames be a thing? Uh, there's one person who is only known as their surname. I'll I'll be generous. Well, it's Crab and Goyle. Okay, one of them's yeah, called I'll give Vincent. you those. One of them's called Vincent or something. Vincent Crab, Gregory Goyle. Yeah, is it really? Okay, yeah, but they're known as Crab and Goyle. Aren't they? They're known yeah. as Crab and Goyle. I'll give you that. Uh, Neville Longbottom. Very good. Seamus Finnegan. Seamus Finnegan. Very good. Uh, Dean Thomas is number nine. Very good. West Ham fan. <laughs> uh, Luna Lovegood. No, I'm sorry. Oh, she, she is not? younger. She is two years younger, I believe. Ian, play your music. Ian with the big dub. Ties it up. 2-2 for the season, yeah. Ian. The fifth category was current Chelsea players. There are 31, if either of you want to give that a crack. Just nah, for no sees. <laughs> Who knows? They're probably all out the door now. Yeah, Marcus Alonso is one of the 31 still listed on the website. It won't be up to date by the time you listen. Yeah. <laughs> All right then. Well, congrats to Ian, I guess. Very good. And if you want to study for next week's Bluffer listeners or two of the hosts, I'll be doing the ones from the second of the Bluffer oh trilogy. God, 15, I'm, I'm picking five. Rolling that far back. Are you <laughs> That's mad? up to you. I'm just saying, if you really yeah. want to get that point, you could just memorize 15 large categories. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Some anyway, of them were the, bad. The, uh, the, the, Threat of Casemiro clearly looms large as Man United are somehow 1-0 up against Liverpool. I despair my FPL team. Thanks, no one. Uh, anyway, fixtures <laughs> next week. Woo! Uh, Saturday. And then uh, we have a midweek uh, game after that. Uh, the next game week after the Bank Holiday weekend in the UK starts on Tuesday the 30th. So just bear that in mind. Obviously, it might, you know, we'll record when we record. Deal with it, all right? Um, Saturday, 27th of August, we start off with Southampton against Man United in the early then your three o'clocks are Brentford Everton Brighton Leeds Chelsea Leicester Liverpool Bournemouth and City Palace uh wow three big teams in the just buried in the three o'clocks there um big day uh we then round off the day with Arsenal against Fulham Sunday Aston Villa or West Ham uh Wolves Newcastle and uh Enfo Spurs to round off the week plenty of cracking ones please remember to join us on patreon.com forward slash Mars Offside pod hit yourself down to the show notes to join the FPL League DG63MA and as well there is the predictor league there remember it's still open until game week the 8th say goodbye Mr Ian Stimson goodbye and goodbye to Mr. Oscar Puente. Bye. Please sign Frankie de Young, Chelsea. Let's just sign anyone. Please have a plan. <laughs> anything. Oh, I weep for you, mate. And uh, big thanks to Nate, Mark, Sam, Jeff, Andy and Tom, all the producers on Patreon and all you beautiful bastards out there. Bye. <laughs>